news. And we are here to talk about that good news. And that's what this scripture is about. But with that being said, we need to know what hope is and how we can act with great boldness. It was back in 2004, I was covering the General Conference in Pittsburgh and I did an interview. I was on the staff of communications with that one as well as the 2001 in Cleveland. And I did an interview with the bishops from South America. And the bishops from South America made a big point for me to understand that their whole focus is offering Christ, is evangelism, being the body of Christ, making known the miracles and the love of Jesus. I remember I wrote the article. It did not get published, though I thought it was worthy to be published for whatever reason. But I'll never forget that they were stressing and insisting that we need to stay focused on our task. And as you know, uh, our whole Methodist church, 42% of it is in the world, in Africa, and South America, in Europe. Um, and the reason the vote went the way it did is because of God's guidance in the world church coming together to state that these are things we believe in and these are things we do not believe in. We live in a nation now that um, is at a critical moment spiritually. We're at a moment that um, our lives are being shaped by forces apart from where we live and who we live with and the communities we find ourselves. In other words, we're being influenced by people who don't have one iota of responsibility when it comes to us. They don't feed us, they don't clothe us, and they don't care for us, yet they think they can determine how we are to think in our local communities, in our local churches, and even in our own lives. Um, the Kardashians should not have such power over us, that they determine what we wear and how we think and what we think is right and what we think is wrong. We are loving people. We are kind people. We are considerate people. We are people of God. So it says here, when we have such a hope, we act with great boldness. Not like Moses who put a veil over his face. And this morning across our denomination, there are many who are putting veils over their face and trying to pretend that somehow things have not changed, but they have. In God's infinite glory and mercy, he has seen fit to put us at the task of offering Christ to a world that is in desperate need of this salvation. The children of Israel were given the old covenant, and that old covenant holds true. So that first part is their hope was in that covenant. Their hope was in the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the covenant found with Moses delivering the children. And the children of Israel were faithful to that law, and they followed that law, but that law does not bind us. Our hope is not in the law. It is not in beliefs. It is not in opinions. It is not in circumstances. Our hope is in Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's not about being nice to other people or being politically correct to the society we live in. It is not about all these things that we think somehow we have to be all things to all people, which makes us nothing to nobody, instead of what we're truly about, which is Jesus. We as a church gather here 
under the power and authority of Jesus. This communion we're about to partake of is a communion offered by Jesus. And this Christ that we worship forgives us for our sins and he reconciles us to the Father by telling us to go and sin no more. So like Moses, when he put his veil over his face, we are not hardened as the people of that testament are. We are freed, and freedom is what God calls us to. So in the scripture, you find this freedom. Now, what does this freedom mean? How does it mean in a postmodern age? Well, I can tell you, when I was a young boy, uh, we had a church, my father did, over, um, it's over in Duplin County, a church that was about to close, and there were some uh, African-American people living in the neighborhood, and my father helped integrate the church, one of the first integrated churches in that district. And I remember the excitement of going to worship there and being a part of that fellowship, as well as being a part of the other churches on that circuit. And I remember for him, that was a major issue of the day that he found himself in ministry. And I was a young boy in the parsonage looking at the dynamics of it. But I can tell you, we are facing issues today that in many ways are more perplexing and confusing than they've ever been. How in the world are we to be Christians in this postmodern age? How in the world when, 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 when morality is not what it has been? In fact, people that are moral are considered immoral or wrong or evil or hateful. And people that are living lives that are abhorred to God's teaching somehow are treated like somehow they are kings and queens of their decision. Now, understand what I'm saying. I understand the world we're in. I understand the situations we're in. But what I know is that when life is lived and we're facing the judgment, I don't want in any way to falsely lead someone to think that something is proper when it is not proper. I understand. Um, people said they've been praying for me. <laughs> They're not sure what I'd say or where I would stand. Sisters and brothers, the judgment is coming. And God isn't going to say it was right or it was not right. God's going to say either you are with me or you are not. There is no in-between. There are no shadows like they are in this land. And I can't, for the life of me, see me putting a veil over my face when the truth must be stated in love and the love that's offered through Jesus the Christ. And here's the first point of that. We are all sinners, every last one of us. And we need God's forgiveness. We need God's love. And there isn't one type of sinner that's worse than another unless that person is blaspheming the Holy Spirit of God according to Jesus. That's the one unforgivable sin. But our sin is not what unites us, it's what divides us. And we are so divided right now. We're divided. So where do we go? Well, that freedom we find in Christ gives us a freedom to go forward, and we go forward into mercy. 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 And that mercy is where we understand the power of love, the power of forgiveness, the power of redemption, the power of reconciliation. 
There's not a person, there's not a family in this congregation that's not affected in some way by what I am saying. We have divisions left and right. We have divisions up and down. But I can tell you that mercy is able to transcend these divisions. Mercy is able to overcome these divisions so that we can be unified in the teachings and in the love of Jesus the Christ. Sisters and brothers, if somebody gets mad about the littlest of things, what will they do when it comes to something that's the biggest of things? When someone allows a little, a little splinter to cause them problems, what are they going to do with the beam in their own eye is what Jesus said. When we would let such a thing stop the mighty church of Jesus Christ offering the cross across the world, what are we doing when we think somehow we know better than God? See, God does miracles. He works miracles. When we least expect it, miracles happen. Now, some would say that's not a miracle. That's a judgment. The greatest miracle I ever had was when I faced the judgment. Not just the judgment of my daddy looking at me going, what did you do, boy? Or the judgment of my mother, which is far worse. I'm so disappointed in you, Jerome. No, the judgment of my God saying, I thought better of you. I gave you what you need. Why is it you're not doing what I would have you do? Why is it you're turning your back on me and my word? Why is it you're letting the world have its way instead of God have his way? See, this mercy is found in God's mercy that we're engaged in the ministry. And it says here in this first verse of the fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians, we do not lose heart. That's hard to do because my heart, my heart is troubled this morning. My heart is, is sad this morning. I, I look sad. I've been sad even with the confirmants. <laughs> I was sad and I didn't want to be because we had fun this morning. We did the trust test, didn't we? And what did we do in the trust test? We had volunteers and the volunteers would stand and then the, well, the class would catch them as they fell back. And, and of course, I was looking at Joey and Chris and we were thinking our friends would let us fall, you know. <laughs> See, see, we got to trust somebody. So we need to trust God. See, we don't lose heart. We know God will catch us. We know God will take care of us. You know, God is at work in the people called Methodists. Jesus is being preached. The pulpit is filled with his word. Our congregations are doing his, his work. We are called to be these people. We have renounced the shameful things. Now, I understand, don't put words into my mouth. For 10 years, I was jurisdictional communicator. I was able to talk both sides of the fence at the same time, and people didn't know if I was coming or going because that's the only way I could survive in that political environment where people are being judged. And even right now, everybody's judging everybody by what they say. Don't judge me for what I say. I've already told you what I believe in, what I know Jesus is the Christ, and go heels. I've already told you this. You know where I stand. I do want that Zion to come back. I want it to be a game, people. I want it to be a game where we face, you know, him and that team, and uh, we're going to see what happens. I, I don't know. 
I don't know. See, we have renounced the shameful things that the person is not able to share, and we refuse to practice this way that falsifies God's word. Now, does, now, what does that mean? That we become one of these denominations of a bunch of hateful people who want to hate everybody? I hope not. You remember, you remember that, just that little boy was screaming at people on that sidewalk down in South Carolina a few years ago, and he was screaming at them, holding the Bible and thumping it and screaming at them? See, he didn't understand the basic principle of the Christian faith. You're supposed to love people and care for people. It's the golden rule that Stuart shared this morning. That's the basic teaching of the faith. We're not supposed to hate people. If we go hating on people, we're not following Christ. We're supposed to love people. And by loving them, we tell them the truth. We let them know. And let it be said, it's not one sin we're talking about. We're talking about all the sins that are being committed each and every day. But that's what forgiveness is about. That's what church is about. Church is that gathering where we come together with this statement of truth and we commend one another into the consciousness and the sight of God. And our God is big enough for no matter what it is. We all fall down. We all have stumbled. We all have trouble. We live in a world that has a certain way, has a certain understanding. We're told that nice guys, they always finish last. We're told that somehow we have to do this or that. But the fact is you can live your life for Jesus and not only have a successful life, but more importantly, have a blessed life. A life where you are blessed where God puts a hedgerow of protection around you, where we trust in the Lord. And I can tell you right now, I trust in the Lord because who else is there to trust in other than the Lord? He opens our hearts. See, this statement of truth is the truth that needs to be. Now, I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm facing not only a leadership, not only a connection, but I'm facing a world that is going in the wrong direction. What am I supposed to do? Wait for it to fall like Sodom and Gomorrah and somehow preach to it after the fact and tell people, I told you so? Am I supposed to just stand by while people are living a certain way and somehow condone that and pat them on the back and say everything's okay when I know it's not okay? There's a reason why our families are breaking apart. There's a reason why drug addiction's at an all-time high. There's a reason why crime is at an all-time high. And people say, oh, no, there's not the crime there used to be. Well, tell our security that in this church. We know better than that. We know the world we're facing right now. It's a wicked world. It's a sinful world. But our God is able to open up the doors of hope, open up the doors of freedom, and open up the doors of mercy. So what does that mean? Am I conservative? Yeah. Am I liberal? Yeah. Am I progressive? Yes. Am I a Bible thumper? Yes. Am I humble? This morning I'm not too humble. I'm hurt. People when they're hurt aren't humble. They scream a lot and go, I'm hurting, I'm hurting, I'm hurting. I know you're hurting. But sometimes you got to take the medicine. And the medicine is you put the wrong things 
at the top of your church. You put things of individuality and personal choice over the kingdom's work and the word of Jesus the Christ. And sisters and brothers, this passion is not about one issue. This passion is about the disease of sin. This passion is that we somehow help heal and offer amending to the people and show them there is a way. So where are we going to go from this? I don't know. I don't know what politics are going to be played. I don't know what things will be done. I don't know what votes will be taken. But this is what I do know, is that I believe in Jesus. I trust in his word. It is sacred to me. And I come to him for forgiveness. I invite you now, we'll have our Holy Communion on page 15.